Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. an outrage. Mr. Fryer, in all my years at sea. Your years at sea? Good Lord, man. If I'd known your nature, I would not have accepted you as boatswain of a river barge. Must I suffer this before the... You will suffer my correction whenever you're at fault, sir. What fault? Don't damn your eyes, man! You turned your back on me! Three. Hello, Ned. Hi. Hello. Good evening. Hello, hello. Uh, That's how you start a podcast, I remember now. Yeah, you say hello yeah. to your co-host. Um, there, there might be some background background noise in in my podcast Why? because I'm not uh, because I'm in a random hotel. You're straying. You're uh, straying. I'm straying uh, in Port de la Selva, Where, which is that? just north of Cadiz. It's actually Salvador Dali's um, hometown, and you'll also notice because the the listeners won't notice this because we do actually have video calls and you'll see the lights flash on and They've off. They've just gone off, David. You're because, completely in the dark. Yeah. It's just a little kind of you're like a yeah. little like a, you're like an album cover from Queen, circa 1975. Oh no, you've come. The lights but have come back do, on. But if I move a bit, I'm back in because Eco. we we're in we're not in a very expensive hotel <laughs> because uh, we're just so Nicole's lights in have gone the off room. again. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, this is this is this has been my last uh, thirty six hours. I think is chasing Nicole around Catalonia. Oh mate! So it. listen, the tour of Britain can wait, and all its complications. Yeah. What has Nicole been doing, and what have you been doing in support of Nicole? Well, there's a there's a crazy event called the Speed Project. So this bunch of crazy people a few years ago decided to see how fast they could run from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and they called it the the speed project How far is that? it's quite a long and, way uh i think it's about 300 miles oh that sort of thing so it's about 500 k's 450 500 k's mm. um but so they did it but the idea was they just had to work as a team it was a relay yep. and it didn't matter how you got there but if you carried a baton how fast could you get the baton there on foot Ooh. and it's it's turned into this and lockdown. It's one of those weird sporting events that's become probably, I'd, I'd probably say 99% of our listeners have no idea what the speed project is. Cause it's part of this running cults thing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing, Ned. I've been quite immersed in it the last two days and it was actually me that got Nicole into it. And it's a joy. It's so random and it's crazy. It's like park run on mescaline. <laughs> It's just, it, I've had so much fun. I've been, I've been the, the the parents at home with the kids and trying to do all these different th- things and and be what Nicole has always done for me in the past. And equally, just loving going out and chasing her down and seeing how she's getting on. Because they they started uh, at one p.m. Uh, Spanish time yesterday, yep. and they finished uh, two hours ago, three hours ago from when we're talking now. So they did 29 hours and 51 minutes. Oh my God. Non-stop running. A team of six. And to see how far they could, how many kilometers they could accumulate in 29 hours and 51 minutes between six of them. Four men, two women. 
None of them had met each other before. Uh-huh. And they got a camping car and they would do 1K each in relay. Oh, is that how they did it? Really super short bursts. <laughs> Oh, so insane. no one got any sleep no so everyone went 1k burst you can kind of run that quite fast can't you theoretically so they went really hard yeah. for a k right so really hard yeah there's no kind of wow but, but, but i'm gonna uh, but i'm gonna give you kind of this is so uh, and this is a, a proper never strays far moment remember where uh, a couple of years ago the tour de france and uh, or maybe three years ago when we were it was it rodin rodex what's that that's town in france Rodez, with a Z, Rodez. Yeah, yeah. Rodez. and i decided to go to the the, the museum uh on the ride in because i had a bit more time yeah and it was this amazing it, it had this huge god i forget what my name is sudan uh Surin, uh exhibition it was actually built for him but it was built by these architects called rcr mm-hmm. which are catalan architects and so today when i turned up um to see nicole at 9.30 a.m. with the kids uh, after them, they'd been running through the night. Wow. And we turned up and we couldn't find it. And uh, Harvey had Google Maps and we're going through it. was just dirt tracks and we couldn't get to it because we knew we knew we were meeting a running track because running track, then they would accumulate lots of time there to let all the other teams catch up with them. Is quite a bit of complexity to it. But we got there and I was like, oh, surely it can't be here. And then I saw the camping car and I said, like, oh, no, it is here. Okay. And so me and the kids got out and we went down a little dirt track and then through a little wooden gate. Mm-hmm. And then there was this amazing steel kind of monolithic thing in front of us. Right. And much like um, that in, in Rodez. And I just walked through and it was even all, it had all steel beams in the ground. And I was like, this can't be right. And we walked through and it opened up and it was the most beautiful running track in the world that was surrounded, being dug in and flattened down, surrounded by woods with all these beautiful architectural steel lights arcing over it. This amazing place. What's it called? What's it called? Which running track? uh, It's in Olot. And look up RCR Architects. Uh, It's, let me just... RCR uh, Architects. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Architectural firm. Yeah, that comes straight up as a hit. And put, yeah. and then, and then put a lot, a uh, lot. Yeah, o, it's coming L, up. O, and and running track and track. And then I'll, I'll do Google Images. Yeah, and then yeah, I'll have a, yeah. some idea of what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not belying or negating your powers of description, no. but I feel like I, oh my god, oh yeah, it's exceptional. And, and it just opened up, and there was nobody there yeah. apart from their team of six, Birdsong. Yeah absolute serenity and i was like what the hell is this place and i've lived here 16 years and i didn't know existed and but it was just and it was one of the most sublime experiences of my life just being there for an hour watching them run around and i was just with the kids and just looking at the power of architecture and then i was like oh that's it's these guys these guys that did these guys did this as well and it's but you you go through a wooden gate that's not locked to get into it and you wouldn't know it existed it's it's completely surreal fantastic so this is where they finished this is where they did that no 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 no, that was just where they did uh two thirds in just because they would run and then they do circus of a a, a track track just to let the other teams catch Mm. up 
then they go again. Mm. So they've done 400 and uh, I think eight kilometers <laughs> in 29 hours. It's really quite, so they, it's quite a long way for human so, beings to run. Yeah. So they average four, they average four minute, 10 pace for 29 hours and 51 minutes between the, between the six of them. Oh God. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I, and then just, uh, I guess just to, just to conclude that it, I, cause I was supporting, which is something that everyone's always off. People have done for me in the past. I really enjoyed supporting and watching the camaraderie yeah, and watching kind of them go through mm. it and, and, and not doing it even at the end. Yep. I, yeah, no, but I was like, you know, what? I want to do this. Oh, I want to do yeah, it next okay. year. I want to find, I want to, I want to get a team. Mm. I want to do this. And I would, you know, that was because I, I realized this is a really important thing. So yeah, so it was good. So that was, a, that's what my last two days have been is, is the, the speed project. Well, um, will you congratulate Nicole? I just, I'm in awe of, I'm in awe of her. She keeps setting these targets and smashing them. It's just, it's pretty, <laughs> it's it's pretty great, frightening. It? I, I set targets and then yeah. fall short of them, which yeah. is, uh, Talk- yeah. Talking of targets, so how did um did did Mark Cavendish win today? No, he didn't win the he didn't win at the Tour of Britain. He didn't, but he, he was never going to really. Yeah, it was, today was crazy, Cornwall, lumpy, bing bong. So while Nicole was mm. doing her sporting thing uh, that she set off, you know, yesterday, I I from my hotel from the Premier Inn in Bodmin, I rode down to Sainsbury's to get some dinner so I could podcast with you yesterday evening, and I rode back on. The first ever Chapter 3 prototype Brompton Surcar 2016 oh, that I've still got. The one with V1. The, the original that I, that I had um, solid tyres fitted to, which is, makes it even harder to ride. And, um, but I rode back up a climb uh, that was about, about a kilometre in length. And I nearly expired when I got there. So while Nicole is doing all that, I rode a kilometre's climb and it nearly killed me uh, with my dinner <laughs> in my rucksack. Um, but that's just to give you a flavour of what Cornwall is like. So Mark Cavendish didn't win. Mark Cavendish didn't intend to win. Mark Cavendish was riding for Julien Alaphilippe today. It was quite a, a punchy uphill finish. And um, I have to say, David, he looked really good. He looked really good. Julian? No, well, no, Mark? Julian Alaphilippe. Could have had no answer to White Van Aert who won the stage. I mean, just no one has an ah oh, yeah, no one has an answer to White Van Aert. No one, not even White Van Aert has an answer to White Van Aert at the moment. Ah, uh, so you, so you were right yesterday. Yeah, so, well, it wasn't the hardest prediction, was it? I mean, no, it really wasn't. Um, but yeah. you know, their best, De Koenig Quickstep's best weapon was to deploy Alaphilippe, and it, you know, he did his best. <laughs> um, but actually, the climb kind of wasn't quite hard enough. For him to the finish line, and he, he did that thing about 400 meters where he just he was on the front trying to get clear, and he just nodded, you know, just shook his head from side to side, yeah. and went, "Oh, that's that ain't going to work," because I got this Belgian dude in the national champions jersey who's six foot seven um, behind me, and he's about to <laughs> pump me, which he duly did. But in order to get to that point, and um, Cavendish did a huge amount of work on the front, and it so without being crit- without being critical of mark cavendish although this sounds like a criticism of him it, it isn't meant in that spirit but there have been occasions in the past in his career where he's done quite demonstrative turns on the front you know um mm. exhibition exhibition, exhibition turns on the front this absolutely yeah. didn't fall into that category it was a con- it was a really he took o- he took over the work on the front for de Koenig quickstep after tim de Klerk having done his normal heroism, could do no more. And he took them up Mm. the final sort of uh, series of unpleasant climbs and it was just punching up and down all day and into the final straight. And he did a a really immense ride today. But um, yeah, Van Aert, 
Van Aert will win this bike race, I'm pretty sure, unless he comes off. I mean, boom, in the leader's jersey, straight away, stage one, that's it. Um, but it was a good race and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was all right. It was all right, David. It's, uh, it's pretty big hitters, though, battling it out. Like you listed yesterday, the fact you got Cav pulling mm. and so he went more he went longer than two minutes it was actually oh crikey no yeah 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 it was i guess that that's when we say demonstrative i guess in the past his turns would be quite short um but if he's doing but that and i think that's part of that team as well but yeah i was talking to and i, I think, was talking to captain Blythe. damn your eyes captain Blythe, you turn away from me man you turn away from me damn your eyes i was talking to him in com- damn your eyes <laughs> see the more we talk about it the more the, the nickname makes oh, sense totally i've started to call him captain now did you yeah, good started, that, slipped, i like I've it into it now i've slipped into it i like it because it, it suits him it's very rare you get a nickname that suits somebody he's not damn your eyes damn your eyes you turn away from me you turn your back no what's the quote you turn your back damn your eyes man um uh, i was talking to the captain <laughs> I was talking to the captain during the commentary today about um, the Gurney quick step. And it's amazing because we had a lot of time to talk today about Tim DeClerc, mm. right? So I dragged out I dragged out the fact that, you know, I always drag out with Tim DeClerc that you'll probably roll your eyes because you've heard it for the 114th time about his dad. <laughs> the comedian. Because <laughs> I still, it still amuses me. <laughs> Catherine DeClerc, one of Belgium's finest political cabaret comedians. <laughs> it's Tim DeClerc's father. It's just I just find it funny. But um Who also is a lorry company. That's exactly where it should yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um we were talking about Tim DeClerc and I remember I was remembering Lusamine last year or two years ago, I forget. Where ah, um Lusamine where where um DeClerc had a possibility of winning a bike race, right? So he launched mm. within the final kind of section of, you know, I don't know, 10 kilometers. He went solo and he very nearly kind of at one point with about 3K to go or something, you thought, is Tim DeClerc going to win a bike race? And then actually, no, he isn't because they brought him back and then someone else from Deconic Quickstep countered and they did the whole Wolfpack thing and someone else won like Stubar or God knows what. Um, but I was, I was thinking about him and what, a, what an MVP he is. What an incredible asset he is to that oh, team. He is. Um, and especially yeah. the unique position that he occupies in that he's, a, he's kind of a household name if you follow cycling. We all know about mm. Tim de Klerk. And I hope, he's, you know, I hope he's rewarded with a fantastic salary because he, he should be. And he dedicates himself to this. But he sits alone. And this is what marks out the Koenig Quickstep. He sits alone in that team in being the only rider who will not win a race. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, because all, all the point. other riders do the Tim de Klerk thing from time to time, whether it's Stubar, whether it's Lampart, yeah. whether it's Honoré. Seneschal. Seneschal. We were talking about the other day. Ballerini. Yeah, yeah. They all do yeah. the Tim de Klerk thing from time to time and over and yeah. over again. Cavendish today. Mm. But mm. all of them, almost to, without exception, get the chance to win. Kasper Asgrain. Mm wins the Tour of Flanders. Kasper Asgren sits on the front like Tim de Klerk. Only Tim mm. de Klerk doesn't win. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's super. And do you remember true. when he crashed on the Tour de France? Do you remember that gravel? I, and Yeah, and we thought, it was, I was like, oh, this is going to be a real situation for De Koenig Quick, except if they lose him. Yeah. Because that's how important uh, he uh, is. Completely. But on the other hand, he's got this incredibly important status in the team. No one went back for him. 
Do you remember? No. He just had to. He just no, no. uncomplainingly time trialed his way. Yeah. He was basically doing the same, the same ride that he normally does on the front of the peloton. He was doing off the back of the peloton. Only this time he was cut, you know cut to pieces and all on his but, own. But you know what? Even worse than that, he had to get himself back up from that crash. And the next day, he was battered and then having to look after Mark Cavendish. Yeah, that's right. So it wasn't. So it was like straight into. I'm off the. I'm dropped. I can't. But yeah. you get no time for us for yourself when you're a super domestic like that. It's just and he's a, and I guess that just going back to what you were saying in the beginning, I think that's where his value is because there are very few riders that have that. Um, uh, how would I put it? Humility. Yeah. To to just weather those storms of other others' ego. And just get it done, yeah. And he's a, he's a rare beast, and and I think we often forget that in modern cycling that the, the role that Tim de Klerk plays is an integral part in the whole sport. Mm. And if we don't have those riders that understand that's a career, mm. that that's a place, and it's a valuable and worthy role within the sport and profession, completely, then the sport the sport doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. If if everyone's like, oh, I'm going to win, and everyone's just flicking each other, and everyone's you know, it's so. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we often set our the paradigm at the top of the sports and the winners, but often sometimes we have to remember that it's also much deeper than that. Mm. And Tim de Klerk is is one of those fantastic role models. Mm. And and um, damn your eyes uh, made a very good point uh, in the commentary today. When so you know within with a 30k to go 20k to go or something accidentally almost they brought the gap to the five man breakaway mm. um back to down to about 30 seconds and the cars have been pulled out and everything and it was ooh do we mm. catch him now and um so tim de Klerk got on the radio and went right everyone just <laughs> calm down and like instantly let the <laughs> let the gap grow back out to a uh, minute 15 or something <laughs> and um damn your eyes made the point <laughs> Made the <laughs> made the point, which I thought was really interesting that I'd ne- it never occurred to me before. That he's doing that for for a number of reasons. One of which is one of which is got to make it harder. So when they're going to ride this breakaway down, they want to do mm. it at a pace which um, puts all the teams who aren't the Kernick quick step into the red. But if you just yeah. if you just creep across organically to the breakaway and catch him like that you know without even noticing that it's hurting um what's the point in that no 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 the Koenig Quickstep are the ultimate sadomasochists aren't they because Mm. they enjoy the pain that they inflict on themselves because they know that it's hurting others more so they'll let that gap grow out to something a bit more uncomfortable so that when they ride it down everyone else hates it as more than they hate it right Uh, exactly it's a great point because what they're basically doing is they they make the race. So they they'll they don't want to lose the race, but they don't want to control the race. So the flip side of that is in any of GC teams will just control the race whole time because they don't want to lose. Dakota Quicks that want to win, mm. and in order to win, you have to make the race really really difficult yeah, 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 yeah. with the tightest style of rider they have. That's really good. So yeah, so you do that. You just kind of keep it there, and it's like yeah, okay, now we'll race. Yeah. We've got fifty k's to go. Okay, now let's go and play. Is that that's kind of the kind of quick step attitude? And what was really what was we'll really interesting it. is the two big favourites, so Alaphilippe and White Van Aert today had their two teams working. They were doing all the controlling all day long, 180 yeah. k's today, mm. and 
it, the two riders, there are only two, and I've, I've, forgive me, I've forgotten the name of the young Dutch rider who's doing the work for Jumbo Visma because he's, he's a relatively unknown rider. But he was, him and Tim de Klerk, he was totally the junior partner. It was like, he right. wasn't communicating. Yeah, learning. It was, it, was like, it was like, they were a team, okay, from different teams, but it was Tim de Klerk. So it was Tim de Klerk. It was de Koenig. They were yeah. doing the whole, you know, you could just tell they were in charge of everything today. Going back to our kind of, our, our, our naval kind of theme yeah it's basically he was learning the ropes learning the ropes boy he's learning the ropes learning the ropes, learning the ropes. turn your back on me yeah. <laughs> damn, damn your, your eyes, eyes! <laughs> <laughs> i'm never gonna get bored of that david <laughs> no i know gonna... that's why i love it captain uh, the captain <laughs> Now, listen, um, I just wanted to, just because th- th- we're not going to do this very much longer, because it's going to be short and sharp, short and sharp, short and sharp, boy. Keep it short and sharp. <laughs> Get to the point, boy. I know you have a point. Get to it. Snap to it, boy. Damn your eyes. Um, the, uh, yeah, I don't I want to say Paul Sinton Hewitt. I think you mentioned Park Run on Mescaline earlier in this peloton. Yeah, that's the, the speed project. Paul, Paul yeah. Sinton Hewitt, who, um, we alluded to the other day, has just completed Le Jog over nine days. Hmm. Um, he's made it oh, from well Lanzan to John O'Groats. Obviously, not the first human being to have done that, but I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like Paul a lot. And it's hard. And anyone who's done it deserves a massive pat on the back. Um, I asked Paul last night to send me a audio uh, contribution, little 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 audio message. And he did, but technologically, I have no idea how to download it off the platform that he sent it to me on. So I'm um, sorry about that, Paul, um, but it was, a, it was a beautifully worded message. And if you can send it to me in another format, I'll try and slip it into the podcast at some point. But uh, many, many congratulations on completing the jog. Um, and another person I was communicating with... Um, this morning, actually, David, was Mark Jenkin. Now, Mark Jenkin is a man I've never met, but Mark Jenkin is um, the award-winning Cornish uh, producer and director of a film that was a British film that was made in 2019 called Bait, which is a brilliant film. Um, it tells the story of a struggling fisherman um, and uh, a little Cornish fishing village which is uh, besieged with second homeowners from London and short-term lets and all that sort of thing and being gentrified. And it, and it details the human lives and how they clash, right? Uh, the, 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 the incomers and the outcomers and how the, the film is dealing with modernity. But it's a very, very stylish film, very impressive, very beautiful, very cinematographic film, if that's even a word or even the right word, I don't know. And it won a BAFTA, as did Mark Jenkin. Mm. Uh, he won the BAFTA for, well, the film won the Outstanding British Film. Uh, and think, Sorry, it was nominated for the Outstanding British Film last year. And uh, Mark Jenkin actually won uh, the BAFTA for Outstanding Debut by a British writer, director or producer at the BAFTA Awards. Mark Jenkin is a cycling fan and a cyclist, David. And um, he, uh, I asked him this morning to, because I knew that he was out in Cornwall where he lives and he was going to go and watch the race. So I asked him to do a little audio diary of, mm. of, um, of his Lovely. day out on the road, watching the race come by um, and enjoying, enjoying the day. And um, he did that. And then I asked permission for him to, uh, gr- sorry, grant me permission to use the, uh, some of the soundtrack. And I, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know. Uh, uh, What's that? I see. 
I see what you've done here, Ned. The soundtrack from the film Bait. Um, you, and you've courted him. You've courted him in order to gain rights to something from his film. Well, that, that's a very cynical take on what I've done. I mean, you're, maybe you're right to be cynical. I don't necessarily see it in those terms. I think I've created well, a... Well, it's, it's dependent. I, I, I'm looking forward to listening to his audio diary. Well, this is him. This is him. He went to the um, second climb of the day. And off the top of my head, forgive me, it's quite late at night. I can't remember what it's called. Something Rosewell Hill or something like that. And um, Cote de Rosewell Hill. Hey? Cote de Rosewell Hill. Something like that, except we're not on the Tour de Yorkshire anyway. So I think the idea of calling... It's dead. I think that's dead. <laughs> we've done that and we've moved on. <laughs> giving fake French <laughs> names. Yeah, we did that and it didn't work. Um, so yeah, and, and it wasn't Rosewell Hill anyway. It was something a bit like that. But that's where he and his mate Dan went. And they were really hoping to see a rider from the local team in the breakaway, St. Piran, who unfortunately, despite trying, didn't make the five-man break of the day. Although, David, Nick Glamini did. Nick, Nick Glamini was up the road today. Oh, good, in the break. Nick, and he, it's still, still one of the best interviews of this year, the interview you did with him at Tour de France. Well, because you can't fail to do a good interview when you hear the story that Nick Glamini has to tell. And, and he looked really good today. There were three climbs. He won the King of the Mountains three years ago at the King of the Tour of Britain, which is one of his biggest career achievements. Um, and he was, he's clearly after doing the same thing again. And he, I think he might well have taken the jersey today. There were three climbs. He Won the the last two on the first one though. Just as he was trying to sprint for the for the line, he I don't know what happened, but his gears clunked, shifted. He dropped down a gear or whatever, dropped up, and but he basically unclipped, and it completely hampered his sprint. So he was out of the points. If he hadn't been out of the points, even if he just got one point, he would have been in the King of the Mountains jersey. So he's he's going to have to go again uh, to get the jersey. Anyway, he was part of a five man breakaway that Mark Jenkin and his mate saw come over the climb. So this is the great Mark Jenkin, who's currently working on a new film. Um, but watch out for Bait if you can. It's still available on, 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 on all platforms. And I seriously recommend it. It's a brilliant film. David, I'll probably say goodbye to you now at this point. We'll talk again at some point tomorrow. Um, uh, yeah, congratulate Nicole again. And uh, I will. All right. I'll pass it on. And, 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 and yeah. Ned? Congratulations to you as well for calling the first stage of Tour of Britain today. Oh, thank you very much. You have no idea how well I, or badly I did, but I'll, you know, whatever, because, yeah. Oh, by the way, the Vuelta finished today and Primoz Roglic won. On that detail... Oh, did oh, he? Probably, okay, cool. <clears throat> I don't know. On that, on that bombshell, <laughs> on that bombshell, though, <laughs> I'll leave you. I'll leave you with a much more important matter of a Cornish film director enjoying a day out at the Tour of Britain with his mate, Dan. I see a lot, can we, because of the visibility? Good Cornish weather. What was the wedding then? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're lucky you still get into the box. There's a few people around. I was just saying we were down um, being fanboys outside the Dekernic bus, but nobody came out. I went to the Isle of Man once, and at Port Erin, I bumped into a bloke who was wearing a cycling jersey. Before I knew it, I said to him, do you know Mark Cavendish? And he said, no, but I went to school with Peter Kennett. Small world. Small world. So it's always worth asking. Yeah. If you know, if you see somebody with cycling gear on, always ask them if they know Mark Cavendish. But he said Peter Kennett was an absolute lovely bloke. 
my memory of the Isle of Man. So Dan, what does, it, what does this mean, being here, seeing this race? Uh, on these roads? It's still well, they're amazing roads to be on. It's such an amazing landscape, I think, with these moors to our left and fields dropping down to the sea on the right. Amazing colours, greens, yellows. It's gorgeous. Lovely part of the country. I can't quite believe that these that we're going to see these people who I spend so much time watching yeah and they're going to cycle this road that I cycle on a lot weird them go down in the dip if they ride this hill they climb this hill the speed we climbed it they'll be about 15 minutes away um, but I'm thinking they might be a bit quicker than that oh there is a St. Piran right here here they go here they go there wasn't a St. Piran rider so we got a gap of 250 according to the bike, back to the peloton. And then they were gone. Wow. Who did you see? I saw Richie Paul. Did you? I saw Great Kosky. I saw Drive Paul. Yeah, there appears to have been a crash. Find find out later. Ambulance. Is that it? Are we done? Seem to be done. So there we go. So that's it from Rosewall Hill. Um, me and Dan are going to roll over the other side down into St Ives. Go to my mum's house for a cup of coffee. And then we're going to ride the route backwards back to Penzance. That's the plan. Might try and pick up an electric bike in St Ives for the journey home. <laughs> no, it's all downhill the other way. What a day. It was, um, yeah, just amazing to have those riders and that event down here. And just saw, I saw people on the roadside who I haven't seen for 18 months. I hadn't appreciated that it was going to be such a social event. And then to see all these superstars coming through was just a icing on the cake, really. And oh, it was just brilliant riding bits of, bits of the route and getting, getting, uh, clapped through and cheered up the, up the climbs. Yeah, what a day, what a day. And so just a goodwill on the road when a sporting event comes through is just brilliant in a, you know, in a country when you think it's pretty fractured with hate and 
division. It was just the sort of goodwill and people just out to have a good time and and uh, see these guys come through. Well, what a day. Can we do it next Sunday? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 